Hello, 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 Automan. Welcome back to the Sexly Anxious Podcast, hosted by 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 yours truly, Micah, aka me. Rough start, but we're gonna we're gonna persevere. Um, I hope y'all's this week has been fruitful. I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, gotta interrupt my own speech here. Uh, I'm sorry if there's any wind interference. I am outside. It's also midday, so it's completely sw- a complete switch in the brand of my usual setup. Uh, late night and in my bedroom, whispering. But I'm at the park today. It's a very beautiful day, but I'll get into it in a second. Um, I hope y'all's week has been fruitful and joyous. Um, mine has been a little rough, but I am so very glad to be off today. Uh, when I was writing this yesterday, actually, I didn't think I was going to be recording today. Um, but I didn't want to go home. So yesterday I was at my local coffee shop and writing the script and doing my other work-related unfortunate projects on my computer. And it was, it, I was, I felt very productive. It was a nice time. I was listening to a bunch of jazz music. It wasn't my favorite jazz. No. It, it, I, I wouldn't recommend really, but it was jazz and oh my gosh, it's a lot of wind. <laughs> I will re-record this later if it gets too bad, but um, hopefully I'm protecting the mic as much as possible. But I don't know how else to to ward off the wind. It is a very nice breeze. I'm I'm enjoying it, other than the fact that I know that there's going to be some audio issues. <laughs> um, but today I had a little bit of a solo picnic uh, to try and distract myself from the fact that I am supposed to be at state. <laughs> now I'm I'm not in high school anymore. However, I do I used to volunteer and chaperone for. Uh, my old high school's choir events. I'm very involved in that choir program, and so, if you don't know anything about choir, uh, there's this event called Solo and Ensemble, where solos and ensembles can uh, perform for judges, and they get a score. Um, but it's more like a lear- learning activity, really. Um, it's kind of like a festival, which is another thing, but festival is purely a learning activity and you don't really it's not it's not a score based thing but so an ensemble you can go if if you are the top person in your category um you qualify to go to state and we had so many people uh get first second or third which means you are the the person going to state or the alternates and so that means so many people from choir get to go perform today uh, at state, which I've, I've never been to state before. I've never, I, I don't know what that's like. And I was so excited to go and support these kids. They're all just wonderful. I, most of them are like, most of the people in the choir program are my friends. I love them all dearly. Um, but yeah, uh, their high school decided to be a little bit of a little bit of a bitch <laughs> uh like a lot a lot bit um and decided that no uh volunteers that aren't parent or guardians of students in 
school can volunteer any longer so I'm not able to go to state and so I had a picnic to try and distract myself from the fact that I'm really really sad I mean like I haven't been able to go and volunteer on Tuesdays and Thursdays like I have done um in re like for this whole school year uh for a little bit now and it's been wildly depressing wildly everyone is so sad about it I am very distraught it's fine it's fine um anyway so that's why I'm at the park today uh and that's why I have Friday off I usually don't have Fridays off at all um, because I'm the best person at my job and Fridays are really busy um, and no one else can do my job very well um, the person who's filling in for me today <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the horror stories of him working my shift because uh, everyone hates when he's working even like a Tuesday which isn't a busy day because he just sucks at my job but yeah anyways um, I'm thinking that my schedule for these episodes is to record, not to record, the, to write my, my script on Thursdays and record somewhere in the days following. Uh, lately it's been like Saturday evenings, um, and then I post it on Sunday, but last week I recorded it on Friday, I think, and I posted it on Saturday. I don't know, I don't really feel the need to have a strict schedule. It's just, I'm trying to predict when I want to allot time to this, because uh, this is something that I enjoy at the moment, that's why I'm doing it, uh, but I don't want that to become like a work, I don't want this to become a work thing, this is just like a little fun hobby, I guess, I just get to talk to a microphone for a little bit, um, and it makes me feel productive to write the scripts, I love writing scripts. Um, like, what I'm writing for this isn't really a script, I suppose. It's just thoughts so that I don't get off track. But, oh my gosh, I love writing scripts. I've done a little bit, like, I've made some sketches before for school projects and otherwise. Um, and it's just so fun. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about... Hold on. Today, <laughs> I had to scroll past a bunch of parts of my script that was me talking about my day yesterday, but I was like, well, I just, I kind of already talked about that. So, I skipped that. <laughs> but today, I wanted to talk about a big brain thought I had about autism last week, walking home, cringe culture, and being disabled in the workplace. And as always, I will be discussing my current read at the very end of the pod. Okay, so my jaw dropping, jaw did did I say did I jaw dropping realization last week was me putting the pieces together with what I believe to be one of the main reasons why autistic men are often perceived as childish or having childish tendencies. Um, the realization hit as I was recording a video to send to a friend, shout out Abby. Where I was very excited and I ended up tippy tapping my feet as I was walking home, um, because I was just, I was so amused by something, um, I drew a sexy COVID, if any of y'all were wondering, that's what I was laughing about, <laughs> um, I, y'all don't want to see, it's so distressing, 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's it's a wonderful thing. Um, but I was walking home, tippy tapping my feet, uh, which I found out recently that I do quite often without ever having known that before. No one ever called me out on it, and I never realized it about myself. Um, not really surprising, but you know, just something to add. Um, this got me thinking about how you often see even neurotypical children jumping when excited or doing something similar, like flapping their hands or whatever. Then, and this was the piece of the puzzle that really was the catalyst for the overarching big brain conclusion, I remembered this TikTok I had seen ages ago at this point, where this woman was saying something along the lines of, you know, remember all those weird things that you you do when you were a kid? Like make odd sounds or move your body in weird ways before you were told to stop? Yeah, start doing those again. Be weird again. You know why? Because that was you self-regulating. Your body knew exactly what stimulation it needed to regulate itself appropriately. She shared this because she had recently gotten back into engaging with this quote-unquote weird behavior as she classifies it. And she felt so much better. Like, the example she gave was that she was... She had just been driving. She had pulled over to make this video, I think. That or she pulled into a parking lot. I have no idea. I don't, it's been a long time at this point. But she had just been driving and was becoming overstimulated. And I believe her knee-jerk reaction was to make a very specific weird sound. Um, and it was exactly what her brain and body needed to feel regulated again. And she was just in awe in that moment. She was like, wow, that, that, that was exactly... Like, I feel so much better. I... I'm not overstimulated anymore. And of course, like, it doesn't work when you're, like, really, really overstimulated and to just scream to make yourself feel better. I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't really scream. So maybe it does, and I just don't know. But, like, obviously, it's, there's levels of overstimulation that are just really, really hard to shake yourself of. Um, but this is just one example of her, like, approaching that stay and regulating herself the way her body just immediately thought to do and it helped so yeah of course we don't see adults or even teens or preteens engage with these weird behaviors when out and about or even in our own families i mean like of course this is not including the yelling preteen and teen boys are known to engage in to be a nuisance in public but why is that why are no adults listening to their brain and body? Because, as children, we were told to stop these behaviors. We were ashamed for engaging with them. They were not deemed socially acceptable to participate in, and thus, the erasure of self-regulating behaviors ensued. So then, because we stopped seeing these behaviors in adults, teens, and preteens, these behaviors became associated with children. And more importantly, children who have not yet learned how to control themselves yet. Thus, the self-regulating natural behaviors were labeled as childish, and those who still participated in them, in, in simply listening to what their body needed, were immature. Now, stimming is just another word for self-regulating behavior, and although everyone does this to some level, for neurodiverse individuals, especially autistic people, it is necessary for us to function. This means that we are often having to stim in public settings in order to keep ourselves regulated. And the public view of us becomes that one that regards us as childish and proceeds to infantilize us for simply knowing and servicing our bodies better than others.
Isn't that wild? Isn't that fucking wild? <laughs> and like, there's different kinds of stimming. Like, listening to music is a stim. Um, it's not always just like screaming. Although that is a very good stim for a lot of people. Um, I, I personally don't have very loud vocal stims. I usually don't tend to gravitate towards vocal stims, but I guess this podcast is also a vocal stim, so I might be lying to you right now. <laughs> but, like, I'll do this thing where I touch each fingertip to my thumb repeatedly, or, like, I'll shake my hands, stuff like that, and, you know, tippy-tapping my feet, as I have referred to it as. But stuff like that isn't, like, outrageous. And, like, none of it's outrageous. Like, no stimming it really is outrageous, unless you're classifying murdering someone as stimming. Then that's egregious. An egregious offense and a crime. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, not all stims are... Like, if you're on a bus, you're not going to scream. But you might wiggle your hands a little bit. And, like, it's not as easily perceived by others. But when people notice, they're like, what the fuck? Um, And also, I mean, I've seen people stimming in public. I've also seen people who are definitely on drugs. Um, Now, my parents automatically assume that everyone who is stimming is on drugs. And that has uh, found its way into my brain. So I'm constantly worried that people are thinking that I'm under the influence of something. So that's a separate issue, actually. But, anyways, another part of this infantilization, obviously, is others feeling that because we have different struggles, that to them, that we aren't capable of things and or view us as lesser. Um, Another fucking bullshit. But... Another part is that autistic folks tend to have or have had hyperfixations on things marketed to children. Why is this? Because we used to be children. That's why we were children exposed to media specifically for the age-based demographic we were a part of. And neurodiverse people become hyperfocused on things that interest them and the things that are available to them like you know they're not going to have a hyperfixation on the matrix when they're two years old because they're not watching the matrix at two years old they're watching blues clues (laughs) they're watching bluey (laughs) it's just it's just a simple part it's 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 simply a part of us like we hyperfixate on things and that's just it like there's no way to escape it that's it's an essential part of our brain. And so, of fucking course, we're gonna have hyperfixations on children's shows or kids' toys, etc., for a long time. Many of us having this hyperfixation extended to adulthood because they don't just go away. Like, sometimes they fade. Um, sometimes a lot of people can have very rapid hyperfixations. My mother's definitely one of those where she'll go through phases and it just, oh my gosh, it's so much. Because we, she's a hoarder, as we've discussed. Um, and ADHD makes it worse because, one, it's very difficult to clean. 
when you have ADHD, um, but also if you are constantly having hyperfixations that cause you to buy materials and then you do the project only like halfway and then you lose interest in it and move on to another thing where you have to buy more materials for it, it, it generates a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. But also a lot of people have hyperfixations that extend for a really, really long time. And, you know, people can have multiple hyperfixations at once, although it's less common than having just one that you- Oh, I, want, I hope you can hear the train. I hope you can hear the train. The train is my favorite part about living here. The train and the frogs in the evening. Oh my gosh, they're so just- Ah, I love them. I love them. Anyways, um, but many of us have hyperfixations that extend into adulthood, and many of them- being things that we hyperfixated on as children. Um, way past what is deemed socially acceptable and adventures into the cringe category, which I think is so fucked, to be honest. Like, what the fuck were we supposed to do? I can't help that I have extensive, extensive knowledge on My Little Pony. It simply is what it is. I was a child. And I hyperfixated on a show marketed towards children. It also doesn't help that it is a baller-ass show. Um, it's so good. Like, am I going to continue to watch the show every now and then? Absolutely. It is so good. I, I love it. If I had time to watch TV, I probably would be watching the show more. Like, probably closer to every day. Because, you know... It is a hyperfixation, and I find comfort in that show because I've watched it so much. I've watched it endlessly. But should I feel the profuse shame and guilt I do when I watch it? Absolutely not. No. That is, it's ridiculous. Even as I discuss this on the pod, this is one of the very, very few times I've ever let myself outwardly declare that truth about myself. There's so much shame surrounding my hyperfixation on My Little Pony that the only person I genuinely feel comfortable talking about it with is my cousin, as she fucking gets it. She is one of the girls. <laughs> she is the only girl in this in, the, in our, like, cousin relationship. Yeah. <laughs> but st- <laughs> Can you tell that that part was uh, ad-libbed and not scripted? <laughs> I, every time this podcast doesn't make sense, it's because I'm ad-libbing and I can't remember what the point was. Or I make jokes that only I think are funny, really. But that's the whole point of this podcast. I'm the only one really gonna listen to this. Um, but it's also especially shameful in my case as it isn't, it isn't a kid's show that was deemed acceptable or respectable to like. Um, it was cringy. It was deemed, it was, it was like, you were, if you watched it, you were weird, you know? It was made fun of extensively when I was a child, at least. When I was a child, at least. Yeah, I don't know if it's still made fun of, I really don't care. But I'm also not in an environment that would let me know. However... It was, it was bad when I was in elementary school, like, specifically fifth grade. It was so bad. Oh my gosh. If, like, when I was a child, at least, 
and you were found out to be watching that pony show, you were publicly humiliated and bullied to no end. No one knew that I watched MLP, except for my cousin. It was a secret that was eating me alive with shame. Like, I didn't really feel like I wanted to tell people, because I was a very shy and quiet, reserved kid. So it wasn't like I was really, really aching to tell my secret. It was just that I knew this about myself, and then I was hearing them talk about these hor- like how it was so bad and wrong of me to like how bad it would be if someone were to have watched it and how if you watched it you were bad and weird and cringy and gross you know so it was more like a oh I hope they don't find out sort of thing you know and the shame didn't end at school either uh, my parents were also major bullies of about me, a child watching a kid's TV show. Um, this obviously was a horrifying scenario for me as there was, there seemed to be no escape from this shame uh, surrounding this thing that I couldn't stop liking. Like, it was a hip hyperfixation. My brain could not stop this desire to consume this media extensively and know everything there was to know about it that I ever could. I mean, I have never been like a theorist or a lore person in terms of that universe specifically like I I'm usually not in general but like I I did say that I wanted to know everything about the the show that I possibly could but I was more like a person memorizing titles and being able to tell you every detail of every episode and like quote it word for word if one were to ask you know that was that was the kind of knowing everything that I was uh <laughs> not the lore although I kind of wish I don't know if hold on I don't know if I wish that I I knew the lore I feel like lore and conspiracies about kids shows or movies tend to be sad and I don't like that <laughs> I want it to be a comfort happy show for me anyways the shame didn't stop being so all-consuming as I grew up. Of course, as I got older, I strayed farther and farther away from the target demographic of the show. So not only was there the existing cringe label attached to the show, but now the fact that I was too old for it made it even more cringe and unacceptable. Cringe culture in general is something I think needs to be sent to hell, with a sword shoved up his ass. Oh, just, uh, it's my, in my opinion, one of the worst things that has ever happened to society. Why on earth are we shaming people for liking any one thing? Let people fucking live. You do not need to like what other people like for it to be valid and something that you need to respect. It, it's, <laughs> your interests are not all that is good and well in this world. It, it, it instills this holier than thou mindset that encourages people to judge others because that's not something they would ever be caught enjoying or partaking in it's just like okay and like i'm enjoying it i'm not at no point was i asking you to and even if i was it would have been me trying to share something i enjoy with someone else that i've deemed worthy of my trust trust in you that you wouldn't degrade me for my interests and now, you're missing out on having that relationship with me. 
So, <laughs> fuck off, you know? It's, de- it's deemed as an acceptable interaction and not as something that is deeply traumatic to individuals. It's a method of social exile at the end of the day, and that ex- it, that's exceedingly harmful. Um, it's, it's everything that a bully is. It's just within this label of cringe culture to make bullying almost acceptable, you know? Like, it encourages it. And, hold on, where am I? Oh. Like, this deep-seated fear of being cringy or being viewed as cringe that becomes instilled in most people as most people tend to become frightened or of being or being seen as anything that becomes something that bullies have determined warrants their attention like when people use the word gay to mean bad or pathetic you know turns into people desperately pushing the message that oh i totally used to be cringe oh yeah this thing that i used to do oh my gosh that was so cringy oh my gosh like I can't believe I used to act like that to try to declare that they are no longer that, that they are above that now, and so that's why they deserve respect, you know? It's like when people declare that they're just ordinary or normal. Um, when they're doing that, it is them really just protecting themselves um, from being seen as less than. They're like, oh, I'm just like everyone else, like, don't worry. Whereas, like, it's like a lot of people might see that as being humble and like in some cases it definitely is but it is it is also being like oh i'm like everyone else i am not i'm not below i'm not lesser i i i still deserve as much respect as everyone else you know for a lot of people that 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 remains true um i really don't understand why the perpetual quote-unquote need to put people down persists throughout humanity people are way too obsessed with power and the individual in western culture and all about love by bell hooks the book i would talk I, I, the book i talked about in the first episode of the podcast she talks about how this uh, individualistic power hungry mindset is derived from the fact that people believe that there isn't enough for everyone and if everyone was brought up to a level of comfort and stability there would not be enough for the individual anymore that they would suffer because the community isn't broken up into high middle and low class when it is indeed the opposite sorry sorry if you would hear that i was brushing a bug off of me um whereas communities that function with a we rather than an i mindset and with a love ethic find that there is in fact enough and there's no reason to deem others as less than. I'm not suggesting that things like homophobia, colorism, sexism, racism, transphobia, xenophobia, etc. don't exist outside of western culture because they certainly do but it is totally the fault of colonization and the spread of the western belief system that they are because there's very clear history in many cultures prior to colonization of accepting for example non-binary people and white people totally ruined the world but anyways those issues still exist of course but it's not but as not everyone subscribes to those harmful beliefs within western cultures not everyone partakes in those beliefs in other cultures either And especially in community-based cultures, we see far less of this search for ways to put down others in order to 
be more important or be seen as more respectful and not respectful respectable and worthy of wealth as they are functioning with this belief that there is enough for everyone and with such a value on community branching off into delving more into the topic of being disabled and especially being disabled in the workplace I wanted to take a moment for anyone who is disabled listening to mentally or physically scream into the void about how hard it is to be disabled in this fucking world that was a good scream good job <laughs> I I ah, why is it so goddamn difficult to exist as a disabled person in society it is unfair unjust and simply cruel most of the time the disability one possesses is enough of a challenge to deal with on its own but on top of that we have to deal with the absolute bullshittery of how society treats disabled individuals it's fucked it's fucked I don't want to say that too loud because I'm pretty sure there are all children here. I'm pretty sure there are children here. Or maybe they left. Maybe they left. And I think there were also babies and wouldn't know what I was talking about. But, anyways, personally, I am both very mentally ill and am one who is physically disabled. Um, as well as the whole autistic and ADHD sitch. And, wow, it sucks. And, like, I'm well aware that my disabilities are not as severe as many other many others. Uh, however, they still affect my life severely, and my ability to succeed the way that society expects me to. It it it's it's not good. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. The whole mindset of like. Even disabled people can do incredible things. Like, yeah, of course. Of course we can. Oh, I do- uh, I don't know. It feels like it's taking away from the struggle. It's kind of like what I said um, in a previous episode of people romanticizing the 50s and being like, but the style and the aesthetic was so, like, cute and quaint or whatever. Um, and that covering up all of like trying ignoring all of the racism and horrible things that were happening being like but look at the aesthetic you know that's kind of what that kind of sentence means to me really like the oh disabled people can do great things it's like yeah but are you go like ah so frustrating <laughs> but um one of my disabilities is an incredibly severe allergy that is almost impossible to escape from. I mean, I wouldn't nor normally consider most allergies to be disabilities, but I'm allergic to perfume and scented items to a point where I will be blacking out, unable to walk, unable to speak or understand other people, unable to move, to think, to breathe sometimes, and so, so, so many other severe symptoms that I have to be sent home from work or have to call, call out relatively regularly because I simply cannot function. So in this case, I would consider it a disability. Um, it is also because I can't really do anything about it. Like I don't wear perfume, I don't have scented items at all, um, and so like I'm just at other people's mercy, you know? And it sucks. It sucks so much. Um, like the, it, it's the fucking worst. 
Not only does no one understand my allergy, which leads them to not believe me or take me seriously, but it leaves me without an ability to communicate or advocate for myself. And like I said, it isn't something that I can control at all. Um, I simply have to hope that people will be considerate and not wear perfume. To be a good person and be like, oh, this is causing you severe suffering, I won't wear it around you. That would, it, it's, I'm not saying you can't wear it ever again, just don't wear it around me, please. <laughs> it's not that big of an ask. I cannot tell you how many emails I've sent, how many presentations I've given, how many interventions there have been just to try and get people to stop wearing perfume around me, to take me seriously and care for once, for once, <laughs> and nothing has ever worked. No, no one truly cares enough to stop, because of course it doesn't affect them, so why should they? It's absolutely infuriating. One of the things that is an issue for me is not being able to call out for myself when I'm having an allergic reaction, as I'm not about, like, I'm not able to speak, almost ever. And if I can, I'm in no way to communicate in intelligent sentences. And also, I'm not about to use my voice, because I can't use my voice at work, and it took a long time to get people to just realize that I can't talk. Like, I'm, I'm mute at work. I, I go completely nonverbal to distress. And how I'm treated at work. So, I usually just use ASL um, and communicate with coworker friend and or make random gestures. Well, not random. They're not random gestures to me, but they're random gestures to them. Um, to a few people at work. And they try and understand and eventually just give up. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't really want to talk to you anyways, but I was trying to give you an answer to your question. <laughs> but I'm not about to speak on the phone and have them be like, you have a voice? And because they obviously don't respect disabled people in the workplace. And so I, like, they're not going to understand that I can talk outside of work, but I can't talk at work. And I just, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to talk on the phone and, uh, and have that become a not, like, an option that's not, no longer available, you know? Uh, and, like, thus I ask my dear bestie Miguel to call out for me. And he's happy to do so, and he offers most of the time without me having to say anything, um... I'm I'm very reluctant to call out, and he's like, "Hey, no, I think you should call out." And I'm like, "I don't know. I I really don't want to call out again." He's like, "I'm calling you out right now." <laughs> and if you can't, I'll um, text my little brother Hen, um, and have him do it, um, if I really need to. Um, to me, this seems like a really good solution. Like I'm not putting my workplace in a position where they are without a replacement in the evening as they have enough time to call someone else in or adjust people's roles for that eve. Um, and I'm communicating the best I can. And I'm not putting myself in jeopardy. All of the thing, all the bases seem to be checked. You know, like I don't know how I could do this differently to be better. And I also think in general, the mandation of having a phone call be the only way one can communicate that they cannot come in to work, to be exceedingly ableist. But, whatever. Not my, not my business. 
Uh, that's one of the things that when I own a bakery, I will have multiple ways that you can tell me that you cannot come into work. Because I'm not going to expect people to always be able to call. Because I have a lot of trouble with phone calls, even when I can talk. So, like, I... The only way that you can inform, like, t people at my work that you can like you can't come in uh is to call otherwise you're fired so <laughs> so fun right um but one of my managers does not think so does not think that having someone call in for me is a great idea um because one time when dear hannah called for me uh, he responded with a snarky ass. Micah needs to start calling him for themselves. This has been happening frequently. Oh, no, never mind. He's gay. So, how do I... I was trying to do one of the stereotypical, like, gay voices, but I have no clue how to do that. I have not done that accent in so long. But anyways, <laughs> for reference, he's a very gay man. <laughs> um... But he says, Micah needs to start calling in for themselves. This has been happening frequently. Which not only riled up the support group, but it got its very own, very angry, very long, uh, but of course respectful email to the bigger boss manager of my workplace dedicated to it. And especially just to him in general, because the manager who made the comment was known for being blatantly uncaring of me being disabled and actively participating in ableist behaviors that really affected my ability to work successfully. He was one to bathe himself in cologne before work, to ignore my attempts to communicate when I needed something for- oh, I put a note in here to talk about being nonverbal, but I already did that. Um, and of course there was this attempt at reprimanding me for navigating my situation in the best way I could. Even though he was fully aware that I'm not able to exist without my disabilities as he wishes me to, of course, for his own selfish desires, and not to have- it, Oh. Ah! Sorry, my elbow popped. That elbow hurts so much. <laughs> um, oh my goodness, where am I? I'm not wearing my glasses, because I was wearing sunglasses, but now I'm in the shade, so I don't really need to. Um, but I didn't bring my glasses. I can't work both at the same time, obviously. So now I'm reading my script. I'm having a hard, hard time. Um, but what I was trying to say was he was fully aware that I'm not able to exist without my disabilities as he wishes me to. Of course, with his own selfish desires to not have to be accommodating, not because he wishes my life to be less affected by these unfortunate circumstances. Um, I had to fight so hard for even a little respect for my need for understanding and help. It took months and months of me trying to advocate for myself and me being met with fake sympathy and airy claims that something would be done, and nothing ever happening for even the smallest- What? Oh, oh, <laughs> separate ideas. Um. I was met with fake sympathy and airy claims that something would be done, and nothing ever happening. For even the smallest, most ingenuine bulletin to be put up on our scheduling app, buried within several other notices that no one ever actually looks at but me, Miguel had to say something. It wasn't me. And like, 
keep in mind, he had said something before. He's been advocating for me. But it took him saying something again for just this, just the, even the smallest little bulletin that no one's ever, ever going to even look at to be done. Whereas I had been doing all of this work for months and nothing, nothing came of it. Um, this, of course, is only one example of the difficulty of existing as a disabled person within the workplace. Um, in general, there's just such a lack of understanding and unwillingness to understand. Um, just in all of humanity, really. Um, but especially in the workplace. As the mindset of the workplace, as we know it to be now, is essentially a pig with a carrot on a stick attached to it. Um, except the carrot is wealth and being seen as important and successful. Or suppose otherwise known as the grind set. Um, I literally hate that term so much. I hate- ah, uh, it's so annoying. I hate how it sounds. <laughs> it is expected that we all, not just people with disabilities, ignore our needs, health, and general well-being for the sake of our jobs. It is expected. And this whole idea of grinding is extremely glamorized and idealized in a way that makes everyone feel incredibly shitty if they're not productive every single moment that they're alive. Um, not even awake, no. They have to be productive while they're sleeping. <laughs> I, it's, it's awful. It's horrible. This leaves no room for people to relax, to take care of themselves, to enjoy a life outside of simply working. There's so much more to life that a lot of people don't let themselves engage with for the sake of the grind set. <laughs> if you, sorry, it sounded so funny. <laughs> this is serious. I'm serious right now. If you don't set boundaries with your workplace, they will work you to death. This is not to say that you should be calling out all the time simply because you don't want to go. Um... This is to say, however, that you should be using vacation days, setting boundaries on which days you cannot work, and taking care of your health, whether that be mental or physical health, as both are equally important. Almost all of the companies that employ you don't fucking care about you. Newsflash. Um, they don't. Not at all. Uh, they only see the money. Uh, they are so consumed with a wish to be successful that they stop viewing employees as people and will make them work as much as is technically legal unless they say something about it. Uh, unless you advocate for yourself, they will run you into the ground. I think in general, tying this back to the individualistic mindset of people in Western culture, most people don't care to be understanding of others. They're all too consumed with themselves that... A lot of people's needs become disregarded because they needed help, and when they tried asking for it, they were met with, no, you should be able to do this yourself. Um, however, this is not to inspire a depressing view on humanity, as there are so many people that are kind and compassionate who go out of their way to try and aid where they can. I know many people like this, and they are my best friends. I love all my friends, and they're all like this, and I don't know why you would want to be friends with anyone who's not to be honest, but just, just to say that disabled life in the workplace is especially difficult as the lack of willingness to understand one another or even try causes disabled people to suffer needlessly, on top of whatever they're already dealing with due to their disability or disabilities. I don't even want to touch on the low-level support that is provided to disabled individuals who can't work at all. It's bullshit, truly, and infuriates me to no end. I think people put 
too much emphasis on work in general though. Like I mentioned earlier, there's so much more to life than your job. You are a person outside of this capitalistic society. Society? Society. You are not just- wow. You are not defined by how you make money, how much you make, how respected or successful the, mo- the company you work for is. You are not defined by whether you are self-employed or not. You are not defined by having a job at all either. It, it, yes, you need money to survive. However, you must also make sure that you make yourself live, too. Actually live, not just survive. Do the things that are important to you, the things that make you happy. Don't place so much value on being productive. It will ruin you. You will be burnt out. You will be sad. <laughs> it's, it's, I love feeling productive, yes. However, it is not all, there exi- all that exists. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by a dog. Um, it was running at a very slow pace towards me for a little bit, and I was a little nervous. Please don't come over to me, because you also have a very edgy owner that seems like they're younger than me, and I really, really don't want you to become a part of this podcast. Really, really don't. Uh, <laughs> I like dogs, but I don't, I don't often trust other people's dogs, especially if they're, the owner is younger than me. Uh, I just, I just, I, I don't. I don't. I have no shame in admitting that. <laughs> um... Anyways, it's okay to relax. It is okay to value your personhood over this grind set that is being shoved down your throat. You do not need to, ha- you don't have to feed into this belief that you're only valuable if you're successful in the eyes of society. Work is only one aspect of your life. It is not everything you are or everything you will ever be. Some people might like, wow, sorry, this dog is really distracting. <laughs> I'm very nervous. (laughs) Some people might be like, Micah, you're being a hypocrite. Isn't your all-time dream work-related? To that I say, yes, it's work-related, but it isn't all that matters to me. It isn't just the job itself, either. That is what I strive for. For those who don't know, I am working towards having a bakery of my own someday, and I wish to be a baker as my profession. Um, And I will not rest until that dream is actualized. However, the job, like I said, is not the most important thing to me. I dream of building a community with this bakery. I want to collab with other creative and tenacious people and put on events and have this little bubble of work based on love ethic and how we can support one another within the community and company, um, reaching out to the public and supporting them. Uh, I want to see my growth as a person as I learn all of the aspects that go into this thing that I care so fervently about. I want to see how creative I can be, and I want to fulfill my own desire to immerse myself in my special interest and explore all it has to offer. I want to experience the journey of figuring out how best to create a business that aligns with my values. I want to experience the joys of making people smile with what I create. I want to inspire kindness and togetherness and make people feel like they have a comfortable space to exist, even if it is just for, like, the ten minutes that they are there, you know? I only desire to be successful enough to keep my one bakery going so that I can continue to support this community that I wish to build. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to be, like, a bunch of chain restaurants. I don't... That's not my dream. I want so much more than to just be a baker.
And this also isn't my only dream. I have so many other dreams in life that I will see to become a reality one way or another. I'm so determined not to let work define me. I, If I am ever in a place in my life where I'm saying grind set and it's not to chastise it, uh, someone call an intervention with me. Sit me down. Fucking punch me. Like, hey, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what happened? This is not okay. Um, I'm a person and I wish to experience so much humanity, so much beauty, that people ask me how on earth do I feel so fulfilled? And I can answer with how I simply will not let anything sway me from my determination to lead my life with love. Kind of cheesy, but I don't fucking care. I I love it. I love it. I. This is how I want to live my life. I want to lead a life that makes me... Wow. They're really talking. Hey. How fun. How fun. I should do more park podcasts now that it's becoming summer. I really hate summer. That'll be its own episode, but this is, this is fun. I like this. Um, but yeah, I, I love love. I love life and I want to lead a life that really, really emphasizes that. Really, it's obvious that that is where my head's at, you know? Do I care that people think my dream is lofty and unattainable? No, not in the least. All the things that have ever been invented or created at one point were only believed in by one individual, who believed in it so much that they didn't stop chasing it until it became a reality. Anything that at one point seemed to go against the grain of societal norms or what people in power wanted you to believe was possible, was looked down upon and chastised by everyone but that one person who believed that they could do it. And it was possible. And that that is how all change is made. It starts with one person. In no way is this me saying that it's going to be easy. Absolutely not. I'm expecting it to be so challenging. It, it's going to be very difficult. But I know that I'm going to do it. I know that I will find a way. I, there's, no, I, there's no room for discussion there. It's just it's going to happen. There's just nothing else to it. I'm so incredibly stubborn. If I set my mind to something, it's gonna happen. It's just, it, there's no swaying me. And I will not take no for an answer. I believe that this is also part of what people call, like, consider manifesting. Simply having no doubt that this goal of yours will eventually come to fruition. I mean, I'm in no way an expert in manifestation or anything, and I honestly don't think I like calling my tenacity me exercising manifestation, because in my head, at least, it takes away from the fact that I I am doing the work, I'm the one putting in so much effort into making this my reality, as it has this whole aspect of putting this thought into the universe, and trusting that the universe will bring onto you this good fortune and whatever opportunities you receive. Even though I know that it's essentially what I am doing. It's it's just all about the language and labels that make you feel good though. So I don't especially care. It's similar to how I don't like setting goals. As in my head that it's, it's just super negative and makes me feel horrible. And it just it, it's too rigid and constraining. But of course 
I have things that I'm obviously working towards. Um, I tend to lean towards Sims terminology, actually, um, with aspirations and whims as they feel less constraining, less, like, you, I don't know, I don't know, they don't have that negative connotation that the word goals does. Sorry, I'm switching positions because my back started really hurting. Um, I also, as you've heard, I use the term dream to basically symbolize lifetime, long-term goals. Um, and it's not like dreams that are like, oh, I wish like in another life I would do this. Like, I would love to be in a band in another life or something like that. Like, that'd be so cool. So cool? So cool. I need to enunciate more. But, like, that, that that's not what I'm talking about. I have no intentions of not engaging with and bringing these dreams into reality. Like, they are, they are goals to a T, just without the, the term that makes me feel bad, you know? Learning how to navigate language to make me feel, like, not have a negative connotation with certain things has been so very helpful for me. A related switch is with New Year's resolutions for me. New Year's resolutions have always, always, always been something that seems like it can only ever make me feel bad. And it was a method of control and emotional manipulation on my parents' behalf, so that was obviously a lot of fun. But my senior year in my painting class, though, my wonderful teacher, um, my wonderful art teacher, Miss Fabiano, introduced the concept of picking a word to set as your intention for the school year. What word you are going to you look to for guidance and determination that year. And the word I picked was experience because I'm a very, very anxious and stressed person, um, and I wanted to keep myself in the moment, uh, reminding myself to let myself experience the now, you know? Around December last year, Maddie Drosbeck reminded me of this reframing of the New Year's resolution, and I just, I love it so much, and I think it, this aligns so much more with how I think and how I want to live than a traditional New Year's resolution. And the word I picked for this year was exist. Um, I picked this word because I wanted to set the intention of letting myself just simply exist the best I can, letting myself breathe, not setting so many expectations of myself, and accepting that my existence comes with unique struggles, and that's okay. Um, oh my gosh, my alarm went off. I thought I turned that off. I feel like every single episode there's some sort of, um, interruption via my phone. Right now, I'm gonna turn my phone on silent right now. I always forget, because I don't think that people are going to text me, and then they do. This time, though, it was my alarm. I am not popular. <laughs> I promise. I, I, yeah, I don't know why everyone talks to me during my podcasting times. It's just been a coincidence. But, anyways, back to it. Um, my existence comes with unique struggles, and that's okay. Uh, I used to be so embarrassed to exist. Um, I in no way wanted to for a really, really long time. So I suppose this year is really just meant to be a journey of learning about myself and letting myself simply be as I am without being embarrassed of living. Um, I definitely picked this word because it is a challenge for me and it is something that I want to work on. So I'm definitely not where I am aiming to be eventually yet, but I, I have been making my way downtown walking fast 
perchance? <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't not. It was right there. <laughs> it was right there. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so it's like, I, ha- I have made progress. I have seen progress in this aspect. Um, I have been taking time to really let myself accept that I need assistance in some sort aspects of life. I haven't really um, accepted the fact that people can assist me. However, like, I've been ordering groceries to be delivered to my house. Sometimes when I can't, like, it's not like a small amount or like it's not light enough for me to carry myself. Because I do have to walk a long ways, and even if I'm strong enough to carry it all the ways, my back is in no condition to be doing that. It is so, so awful. And often, I'm having allergic reactions, and in those cases, I can't do it at all. And instead of just not getting food, I have learned to just let myself have groceries delivered. I'm still still working on being okay with talking about it really because i don't know there's some sort of shame with not being able to do everything myself that's another topic probably for a therapist (laughs) but yeah so that's one aspect like one example uh but anyways without further ado i would like to transition into book talk time I don't know if that's a bad name. Is that a bad name? Story time? Book club? Reading group? No. (laughs) I don't like any of these. But, you know, the part where I talk about a book. Y'all already know. I know y'all are just fiending for this portion of the pod. I know it. I know it. You can't can't hide it from me. The secret's out. The monkey is out of the sleeve, as the Dutch say. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know what's up with me. This is a, this is a fun pod. I like that I'm able to talk at like a reasonable volume, instead of whispering, um, into the mic in my bedroom and worrying about my roommates hearing me. Um, but anyways, I love this section of the pod. I love books so much. I love that I've been reading, but. I I had this whole bit in here that I uh, it's too much it's too much I even wrote in here you know what I'm ending this bit here <laughs> this is too much I need to get to what I want to talk about um so anyways the book I am reading today well I have been reading since I finished the last book is I want to die but I want to eat the bulky Dale bulky I don't know Han told me how to say it a long time ago but I haven't had to say it out loud since and so I've completely forgotten I know that I was saying it wrong because my brain wants to default to a Dutch pronunciation of it but you know it's the um, the rice cakes that you steam in a frying pan or saucepan or a wok or whatever you have I suppose Um, I would not recommend a wok for it but that's just me Anyways, um, a lot of the times it's like sweet and spicy. Um, those are my favorite ones. I, it's one of my favorite foods of all time. And I really need to remember how to say it. I might get him to school me in it, um, tomorrow. We're going to the farmer's market, maybe. And I'm so excited. But anyways, 
Um, oh, I really, I wrote in here to look up the pronunciations of everything, but I didn't think I was going to record it right now, so I hadn't done that yet. But the author's name is spelled B-A-E-K space S-E-H-E-E, and I really don't want to butcher it, so I'm just going to put that there. I'm going to just spell it for you. Um, and it's translated by Anton H-U-R. Her? Her? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, if I ever mispronounce anything, I apologize. It is one of my deepest fears to mispronounce anything. So I'm very, very uh, hesitant to say things. But I love languages and I want to learn. I want to learn all of them. Uh, if I had one superpower, it would be to know all of the languages. But anyways, it is... I, I, I'm a little bit over halfway at this point of this book. And I am a fan. I am a fan of this book. It is pretty good. Um, I'm not, like, enraptured like I was with The Invisible Woman. Like, any book that I would read after The Invisible Woman, I think my my opinion of it is going to be like, oh, this wasn't as good, you know? But I do think that this, this is a good book. Um, it is talking about how this, um, it's, it's this author's journey with therapy and dysthymia dysthymia I don't know it's a persistent light depression is basically what the diagnosis is um and it's been pretty interesting um I only heard good things about this book and it was only one of the only books that I ever bought new uh because I couldn't find it secondhand anywhere and I knew I really wanted to read it so when I saw it at a bookstore downtown I had to get it along with all this uh, all about love those were the two books that I have ever bought new because I I I couldn't find them anywhere um but yeah this book has been a lovely read um like I said it's about her journey in therapy uh suffering with Dysthymia, I think that's how you say dysthymia. I don't know how to say it actually. I'm not even gonna pretend. Um, I that was another one of the words that I was telling myself to look up before this. But and it's also exploring her insecurities uh, and how she's progressing and uh, her social relationships as well. Uh, I don't know it's I, it's in a style that I've never seen a book in before and it's it's very interesting um, I definitely have read some sentences uh, that made me feel a little too seen uh, a little concerned over myself uh, but it has been a fun read uh, I do recommend it especially if you are someone who has systemia but also uh, again if you have it I'm so sorry that I'm pronouncing it wrong <laughs> but also if you're someone who just wishes to learn what different people experience how you relate how different people view the world um what people's struggles are that are different from your own uh as i do i think this is a great read for you um it is a read that makes you feel less alone and allows you to see a bit more depth to humanity in my opinion but anyways that brings us to the end of this podcast, dear listeners. Thank you so very much for Reistrana, the sexually anxious podcast hosted by me, Micah, coming at you from the park. 
<laughs> I hope you enjoyed me discussing the childish views on autism, cringe culture, disabilities in the workplace, and a bunch of other shit that I didn't plan on talking about, but I'm very glad that I did. Um, may your next week bring you joy, and as always, stay sexy soldiers. Oh my goodness, I thought this wasn't recording for a second. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad <laughs> Wow. Wow, panic. Anyways, stay sexy soldiers. I'll catch you maybe in a week. Maybe in a week. <laughs>